Let me ask you a question. If someone wanted to access your company's devices or premises, how difficult would it be? If they had a helping hand on the inside, could they get it done? The answer is probably yes, which is why we're working with the National Protective Security Authority and the National Cybersecurity Center to share their secure innovation campaign. They can see that state actors, as well as competitors and criminals, are looking to steal from UK startups. You're probably aware that your cybersecurity needs to be rock solid, but a lot of startups forget about insider risk. Take one company the NPSA told us about who had a disgruntled member of staff. A state actor charmed them into stealing the company's flagship software, which they then took to the state-owned business instead, costing the company billions. If you want to get a better handle on your security, the Secure Innovation Campaign can help. Check out npsa.gov.uk forward slash innovation and download their free quick start guide. There's a link in the show notes. That was my first company and it grew to a few million dollars in revenue. We had maybe 50 employees over seven different offices um, and I was making a little bit of money uh, until everything fell apart. But the good news as I tell people all the time is every bad thing that's ever happened to me turned into something better. You know, it's the old one door shut, another door open. Brian Will is a seasoned entrepreneur who sold several businesses, but his first one was a baptism of fire. Brian had a difficult childhood, was a D student who failed high school, got kicked out of home at 18 and joined the military. He had a chip on his shoulder and struggled with discipline. He lost rank twice. Was he ever going to make it? Brian left the army, but things weren't easy financially. Because I had just gotten married and uh, didn't have a job or a car or even a place to live, honestly. And so I was living with my grandmother with my new wife and a buddy called and wanted to know if I wanted to work on his lawn mowing crew. And so I took a job making four bucks an hour. And after a couple of weeks, I thought, gosh, anybody can mow grass. I could start my own business and do this. So that's kind of the genesis of starting Diamond Lawnscape. And uh, so I got started mowing grass and one thing led to another and people kept asking me to do more and more jobs. And about six years into it, we had built a decent little company and somebody came along and asked me if I wanted to franchise it. And I said, sure. I mean, I don't know anything about that, uh, but let's try it. And so we started franchising the company. And then about a year and a half after we got going, we had seven franchises. We had four more sold. And one of my franchisees got into an argument with me and didn't want to pay his franchise fees. And he hired a lawyer who found a discrepancy in my franchise documents. And so he got two other franchises to go in with him and they sued me. And so now I'm in the middle of a lawsuit. And then my personal business, which was doing all this big construction work, we got fired and we were, they were 80% of my business at the time on that, that side of the, of the, the company. And so I'm getting sued by my franchisees and my biggest customer fired me and my whole world collapsed. And that's when that company fell apart. Brian learned something vital about building a franchise business. The problem with franchising is if you're too small, which I was at the time, your franchisees actually have more control over you than you do over them. In other words, if three of my franchisees decide to sue me and I've only got six, that's 50% of my company suing me. Where if I have a thousand and three decide to sue me, nobody cares. So I was small enough that I got caught up in 
um, being sued by a few of my franchisees. And that's what essentially collapsed that company. That's why franchisors today try to grow really, really, really fast and get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of units because they know they're going to get sued. But if you've got hundreds and hundreds of units, if a few people sue you, it's okay. When you've only got five units and you get sued, it's a problem. I know it's different in the States, but Brian has been sued a lot in his career. So much so that he thinks it's an inevitable part of business. He now has a principle of trust but protect, which seems sensible. He also learned a couple of other business lessons. One, do not get into a position where the majority of the work that you're doing in your company is centered around one client. Because if you lose that one client, like I did, it can take your whole world down. And there's too many business owners out there that they have one client and they think they own a business. No, they really own a job because if that client fires you, you have not a business anymore. That's a huge one that many people, you'd be surprised how many early entrepreneurs are in that position. And the second one is because I had come from nothing and we were making money, every time I made more money, I started moving my lifestyle up. You know, I had a Mercedes and a sports car and a motorcycle and a place at the beach. And, and unfortunately, what I didn't have was any money in the bank, saving, security, uh, credit lines built up. I had nothing to back me up financially. And when the rug got pulled out from under me, I had no place to go. I had no money. I had no cash. I, I had nothing. And too many business owners, once again, either live at 100% of their lifestyle or 105% of their lifestyle. And all they're really doing is setting themselves up for a huge problem because you have no idea when something is going to happen in your business that can take you out. And the most recent example I always use is COVID. Look how many businesses failed in COVID because they weren't financially set up to be able to handle a downturn like that. You know, I called it washing out the week. It did. It washed out a lot of businesses who weren't able to withstand the downturn or the shutdown. And it was out of their control. It had nothing to do with whether they were good at business. It had nothing to do with how smart they are. They literally just weren't able to stand somebody coming in and tell them they have to shut down one day. And we have no idea what's going to happen. In my case, it was a client that, that shut me down. In 2020, it was the government that shut us down. Who knows what's going to happen next? So you always have to be prepared financially in your business for a downturn so that you can't get hurt. Brian today is very chill about failure. He says bad things roll off him because whenever something bad has happened to him, it has led to something better. But I have to say, if I'd been in his shoes with what happened with his daughter after the landscaping business, well, it would have tested anyone to the limit. I bounced 130 checks at the bank that month because I couldn't pay the bills. I couldn't pay my health insurance because I didn't have any money. And so after 60 days of not paying my health insurance, I found out that my daughter needed open heart surgery and I didn't have health insurance to pay for it. So that was quite devastating. I ended up losing my house and my cars and literally had to sell every single thing I owned, even down to my furniture in order to pay back the bank and the bills and the vendors and then had to go find someplace else to live and start over again. So I went from nothing to building this company that did relatively well, thinking that you're successful to losing everything, having to sell everything and start all over again. And now you're faced with a serious medical condition with your child. So it was, it was, it was a rough time. You're telling me. But I think what happened next is what taught Brian to be a bit more philosophical when he experienced a failure or something he thought would be really bad, like not being able to pay for his daughter's heart surgery. 
She had something called ASD, which is atrial septal defect, which is a giant hole in your heart. So the blood doesn't stay in there. It just washes in and out of the chambers. And so she had to add to open heart surgery in order to get it fixed. But the story here, as I said a minute ago, because I had lost my health insurance, I couldn't get the surgery done right away, even though we had a cardiac surgeon that wanted to do it. But he wanted to cut her from the neck to the belly button, break her rib cage open, fix the problem, and then sew her all back together. If you've ever seen anybody with major open heart surgery, you can imagine the scar. Well, because I didn't have the health insurance, we couldn't do it. So we had to wait. Well, when we started waiting, I ended up starting to sell insurance. And in the process of selling insurance, I met somebody who said, by the way, have you ever met this Dr. Burke down at Children's Miami Hospital? And I said, I've never heard of him. So I looked the guy up and he had pioneered arthroscopic heart surgery. Only 300 patients had ever had it done. So we contacted uh, Miami Children's Hospital, submitted my daughter's records. She got accepted as a candidate. And instead of having major surgery, they went in with a one inch incision and fixed her heart. So if I hadn't lost the insurance company, if I hadn't lost my insurance, I wouldn't have sold insurance, wouldn't have met this person, wouldn't have met Dr. Burke, and my child today would have a scar from her neck to her belly button, where today she doesn't. So it's just one thing led to another, and it ended up being better. Amazing turn of events. It took two years, but their insurance company eventually decided to cover the surgery, but they still couldn't afford to fly her down to Miami to get the surgery. They then found an organization of volunteer pilots called Angel Flights who said they'd fly her down for free. Fast forward 15 years, Brian sold his company, became a pilot, and he now flies for Angel Flights as his payback. The world can be tough, but it can also be beautiful. And in that statement is what Brian thinks is the key to winning as an entrepreneur. Most entrepreneurs have failed. Most successful entrepreneurs have failed. Go, go read about all the biggest folks out there. Even Steve Jobs, you mentioned a little bit ago, he got kicked out of his own company. He started another company that was failing before Apple brought him back. And so I think what the military brought me and what you find in a lot of successful entrepreneurs is that you just don't quit. You, you don't have the option of quitting. You just keep moving forward. I remember when I was in the military and, and they'd wake us up at four o'clock in the morning and start yelling at us. And you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. And they're like, I'm sorry, you don't have a choice. This is what you do and you're going to do what you're told. And so you just push forward no matter what. Well, when you're in business and you're experiencing a failure or downturn, you gotta push forward. You can't collapse, you can't quit, you can't say, I don't wanna do this anymore. You gotta go forward. And if you'll just keep going forward, you will eventually win. Too many people just quit and that's why they fail. What do they say? You haven't failed until you quit. Brian Will, who showed a hell of a lot of will. Thanks for listening to this episode. I've been your host, Dan Murray-Serta. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend. I'll see you next time. Here at Mindset Win, we want to give you the tools to become better at what you do. Taking inspiration and wisdom from our guests, we will hear stories, strategies, tips and tricks. Told by leading names in sport and beyond. Who know what it takes to get to the very top. There will be two episodes each week packed with amazing stories and practical takeaways for us all to follow. Search for Mindset Win on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app.